the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area, and happy Thanksgiving. Today is Friday, November 26, 2021, and I am recording this show a few days earlier in my office here in San Jose, in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. I'm recording the show ahead of time because when you listen to this show on Friday, I will be down in Southern California in Disneyland and Disney California Adventure with my family on a brief vacation from school and from work. So, uh, first of all, I want to uh, encourage you, if you have not actually attended one of my estate planning workshops, to come to my final estate planning workshop of the year which is going to actually be on Saturday morning, December 4th, from 9 o'clock till about 10.30 a.m. at the Silicon Valley Business Center on Camden Avenue near Lee Avenue in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. I've done two previous workshops earlier this year that were very well received. And I think that if you are interested in finding out about estate planning and what might be important for you and important for your family, this workshop would be a great idea. Uh, As of the time that I'm recording, I already have 16 people signed up for the workshop. Currently, I have room available for a total of 30, but I am willing to expand that up as much as 40 if there is increased demand uh, between this broadcast and the following Saturday, December 4th, which is when I will be having the workshop. I encourage you, if you wish to register for the workshop, there's two possible ways. The first one, you can go straight to my website at lawbob, L-A-W-B-O-B dot com. Click on the link for seminars and workshops at the top of the page and then you will see a description of the workshop and you will see a button that you can click on that will take you to eventbrite.com where you can register. I've decided to open up registration so that one person can register for several people attending. Um, As people register, the, the timer, if you will, of how many spots are available will go down. So when you go to register, you'll see how many spaces are still available. 
if it starts getting filled up tremendously, I will expand that so that there is more room for people. It just means at my end that I need to prepare more sets of materials uh, so that I have plenty of handout materials available. Um, and yes, that means I will actually have handouts. One of them will be the priority planning quiz, which is the basis of the workshop. And another handout will be my California Consumer Guide to Wills, Living Trusts, and Estate Planning, my 2021 edition, which I have to caution ahead of time, uh, already has some changes that were made because of uh, changes in California law. And uh, there may also be changes in my uh, guide that are impacted by what Congress is doing right now. If they pass some new laws that are being proposed, there may be some changes to some of the information and analysis in my guide. But as a general introduction to estate planning and the use of wills and trusts, it is an excellent resource. I spent a long time put it together originally. I try to update it annually as laws change and as numbers change. So uh, you can go to eventsbrite.com, search for the estate planning workshop on December 4th. You, you can register that way, or you can make your way to Eventbrite through my website at lawbob.com. I hope you get a chance to register and uh, come and participate. Uh, it is a group participation event, so um, there will not be a quiz at the end, but I can assure you that you will learn a lot, you'll be entertained, and you'll come away with greater knowledge about estate planning and the issues in estate planning. I'm going to spend the rest of my show today talking about the special types of court petitions that I am handling for people in the um, courts here in the Bay Area, specifically in Santa Clara, Alameda, San Mateo, and Contra Costa counties. If you've been listening to my show for any length of time, you know that uh, I have been doing special court petitions for a number of years. And um, what I find is a lot of families, uh, either after a first spouse dies or, um, or after uh, the last parent dies, they find that there are issues involved with the trust that were created by the parent or parents, uh, issues that may only be able to be resolved by going to court. A very common issue occurs when a married couple had a living trust prepared many, many years ago that was what we call in my profession uh, an AB or an ABC marital trust. When you hear the term AB or ABC marital trust, it refers to the two or three different trusts that might end up being created when the first spouse dies um, in uh, an estate plan. The A trust or the survivor's trust, which is how I characterize it in the plans that I draft, uh, is sometimes referred to as the above-ground trust. 
um, meaning that the assets of the spouse who is still alive, who is above the ground, end up going into that A trust or survivor's trust at the death of the first spouse. The B trust or bypass trust, exemption trust, credit trust, exemption equivalent, credit shelter trust, a lot of different names for the same thing. The B trust is uh, consists of the assets of the person below the ground. That's kind of B trust, A trust above the ground, B trust below the ground. The B trust is typically funded up to the maximum amount of the federal estate tax exclusion amount in effect when that first spouse dies. And that number has been changing year over year. That is one of the numbers that might very well be impacted by legislation pending in Congress right now. Currently, that number is $11.7 million. It's scheduled to go up to a larger amount than that uh, on January 1 of 2022, uh, which is coming up um, very soon now, about five or six weeks away. And unless Congress changes the rules at the last minute this year, uh, that dollar amount will actually go up. But as you're going to find out in more detail in the second segment of the show today, that moving number started out quite a bit lower than it is today. And that's one of the reasons why there's a specific type of core petition that I often do. So stay tuned for the second segment of the show today. This is attorney Bob Brigman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And I'll talk to you after our first break today. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back for the second segment of the show today. Before the commercial break, I was talking about the AB and ABC marital trust and explaining that the B trust was filled up to the maximum amount of the federal estate tax exclusion amount. So with the current exclusion amount here in 2021 being $11.7 million per person dying, it should be pretty apparent that the vast majority of families do not have an estate large enough to be worried about the federal estate tax. Now, the federal estate tax, if you're not familiar with that, and many people are not, is specifically a tax on the value of the property that you own when you die. If you're married and your surviving spouse is a U.S. citizen, you can pass an unlimited amount of property directly to your surviving spouse without imposition of this federal estate tax. If your surviving spouse is not a U.S. citizen, you can pass an unlimited amount of property to that spouse as long as it is done in something called a qualified domestic trust, which is a form of C-trust. And I haven't told you about the C-trust yet. We'll kind of reserve that for a little bit later in this segment. But um, 
you have something called the um, the exemption equivalent, and and that is a dollar amount of the state that you can pass on to anybody without imposition of the federal estate tax. Now, the federal estate tax is a 40% tax on any estate that someone has when they die that is subject to the federal estate tax. So uh, you not only have to be subject to the tax, which means you have to have a large enough estate. Uh, and, uh, and if you don't have a large enough estate, basically uh, your family will not have a tax imposed on them. Now, back when AB and ABC trusts were first conceived, the federal estate tax exclusion amount, and I remember when this happened because it was uh, shortly after I started practicing law in the early 1980s, a law was passed by Congress that exempted $200,000 of estate from the federal estate tax. And it also put into place the unlimited marital deduction. And the unlimited marital deduction means that you can deduct from the value of an estate when someone dies an unlimited amount of property that is passed to their eligible surviving spouse. So an unlimited amount, and it's a marital deduction because marital meaning there is a merit, there's a valid marriage. So it started out at a $200,000 exclusion, and then it went to 300, 400, 500, 600, and it stayed at $600,000 for 11 years. Now around here, uh, where I practice in uh, San Jose in the Silicon Valley, one of the things that is a very true fact of this area is that house prices uh, go up very rapidly, and and even 20 years ago or 25 years ago, a married couple could have between their house value in Los Altos or Palo Alto or Saratoga, Los Gatos, maybe in Willow Glen, Almaden Valley, other areas of San Jose and, and the Valley, uh, or the Bay Area in general, their house value plus the value of life insurance the value of money in the bank, brokerage accounts, IRAs and 401k plans, that value could easily exceed the four, five, or $600,000 of exclusion from the federal estate tax that existed at that time. And so we started creating these AB and ABC trusts in order to use the estate tax exclusion of the first spouse to die by moving it into the B trust, the bypass trust. And what would happen there is, because we used their exclusion, when the surviving spouse died, there would no longer be any estate tax on the property or the monies that went into the bypass trust, the B trust, because those properties were not owned by the surviving spouse at all. Not only what went in there when the first spouse died, but also the growth in value over time from when it went in there would not be subject to federal estate tax when the surviving spouse died. So that's why we did that type of planning. Uh, it was to enable both of the estate tax exclusion amounts to be used by a married couple. 
And uh, so that was very powerful, as you could see. If if the family had an $8 million estate when the exclusion was 600, uh, well, then basically you would have uh, 400,000 go in the A trust, 400,000 go in the B trust, and then the 400,000 that the survivor had in the A trust, it could grow by another $200,000 before any of it would be subject to that federal estate tax. So it was a very straightforward and kind of uh, made sense kind of planning. But as the federal estate tax exclusion amount started going up, more and more estates reached the point where the entire estate owned by the couple was less than the um, than the tax credit or the uh, excluded amount for one member of the couple. For example, they had a million dollar estate, but the exclusion was now $2 million for each of them. Once you started getting into that kind of area, you start asking the question, why do we need to do a bypass trust at all? Uh, because there's a downside with doing a B trust or a bypass trust, and that is that any property that goes into a bypass trust uh, gets fixed for income tax purpose valuation at the date of death of that first spouse. And what that means is that when the surviving spouse dies and that property in the B trust gets passed on, for example, to the children, if they go to sell it, they might very well have capital gains income tax owing on the increase in value of property that was put into the bypass trust. Uh, property that would not have been subject to estate tax it, if it was still owned by the surviving parent, but in fact ends up uh, being subject or a portion of it, maybe a lot of it being subject to income tax when it's sold. So that created a dilemma. What if we don't want to have that bypass trust? What if we want to have a bypass trust that's only created if we think we might need to use some of the exclusion of the first spouse to die? Well, stay tuned for the second half of the show as I address that issue and then address how I go to court to deal with that issue nowadays for families, surviving spouses, and their children who are faced with that dilemma. So here we are at the bottom of the hour. This is estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. Pick you up after the bottom of the hour. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Welcome back to the second half of the show today. Before the break, I was talking about the AB and ABC marital trust and how we would use the B trust or bypass trust uh, to place the, uh, the exclusion from estate tax amount of the first spouse to die in a marriage. And uh, because the exclusion has been increasing dramatically over time, uh, many, many families find that now when the first spouse dies, they discover, often for the first time, that the trust that was drafted for them uh, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago was an AB or an ABC marital trust. This is not uncommon. In fact, it's very common that a married couple had that plan done for them many years ago, 
And uh, that form of planning was chosen for them by the attorney that they went to. And uh, they never really had it explained to them. And uh, they were not aware that, that nowadays, with the changes in the estate tax laws, the plan that they had done 15, 20, 20, 25, 30 years ago um, may no longer be appropriate. The problem is that even though it is no longer appropriate, it wasn't actually updated or changed in any way before the first spouse dies. Now, I have people coming to me regularly where um, their first spouse has passed away, usually the husband, sometimes the wife, and and they they find out for the first time often that the trust requires them to divide the property that they owned into these two pieces. And they go, I don't want to do that. All I really have is is our house here. Uh, the house is worth about a million dollars. Um, I've got we've got investments of a couple hundred thousand dollars more. It seems kind of ridiculous for me to divide the house between two different trusts. And oftentimes the children are involved in the meeting too, and they go, that doesn't seem to make sense. And, and I agree, it actually doesn't make sense anymore because the law changed so dramatically from the time that the trust was originally drafted. So they ask, is there anything that can be done? And I say, yes, there is. And specifically, what can be done is to go to court, petition the court, and this would be the probate court in the county where the trust is being handled. So if the surviving spouse lives in Santa Clara County, we'd go to the probate court here in Santa Clara County. In a similar fashion, we do that in San Mateo, Contra Costa, or Alameda counties. Um, the difference between the counties is um, in San Mateo and Santa Clara, we can go to court ex parte, meaning without a formal hearing. Uh, in Alameda and in Contra Costa, we typically would have to go to court um, with a noticed hearing, although in Contra Costa, if you can demonstrate that there is an emergency or some urgency for having it heard, uh, they will consider it on an ex parte basis as well. Now, what we're talking about is a section of the probate code, section 15403 of the probate code. Don't worry, there won't be a quiz on this later. And this section of the probate code says that you may petition the court to modify or terminate an irrevocable trust with the consent of all of the beneficiaries of that trust. And typically, in a situation like this, the primary beneficiary of that bypass trust is the surviving spouse, and then the remainder beneficiaries, that's the people who receive the property of the bypass trust when the surviving spouse dies, those are typically the children and or grandchildren of the spouse that died. And so what it does, it requires all interested parties in the situation to consent, or if they all don't consent, then you go to court for a notice hearing, give them notice, and if they don't show up and object, the court can decide in favor 
of the surviving spouse who wants to make the change. Why would they want to make the change? They would want to get rid of the bypass trust and also ex by extension sometimes a C trust or marital Q-tip trust, which I'm not really going to talk about today because it's very uncommon that it's created. Uh, but get rid of those irrevocable trusts so that everything passes to the survivor's trust and it would mean that when the surviving spouse dies, everything is owned by the survivor's trust and it all qualifies for the survivor's trust exclusion from the estate tax, but it also gets what's called a step up in the cost basis of any property owned in the survivor's trust. Things like real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, precious metals, works of art, uh, anything that is treated as a, uh, as a capital gain or capital loss under the income tax law. So you could see that it would be very valuable if the family home could be revalued to the date of death value when the second parent dies. That would mean that when the family inherits it, they could sell the family home or sell those stocks or sell those bonds or those mutual funds. And as long as they don't net out more than the value at date of death of the second parent, they pay no income tax on those sales. Now here in the Bay Area, especially Santa Clara Valley, real estate going up as quickly as it does and as high as it can, this could save tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars for a family when they sell uh, real estate or stocks or bonds or mutual funds that belong to the surviving spouse. So this is why a lot of people come to me and they want to modify their the original trust to get rid of the requirement that a, uh, a B trust or a C trust <clears throat> be created. Now there are other reasons to go to court to modify an irrevocable trust. Another fairly common one is to modify the distribution to a child who turns out to be a special needs child, to modify the trust so that their inheritance doesn't go directly to them, but instead goes into a supplemental needs trust so that they do not lose their benefits they're receiving because they're a special needs person. That could include their SSI income. It could include Medi-Cal for their health insurance. It could include Section 8 housing for a place to live. All of those things could be impacted if an inheritance is received directly. Another reason we might go to court, which is actually something I'm working on right now, is to modify uh, a trust in order to permit trustees to appoint successor trustees. Um, many older trusts do not have that in them. By putting that in there, we can avoid having to go to court again in the future every time a new trustee needs to be appointed. So there's a lot of reasons why you might modify an otherwise irrevocable trust, and those are just a few of them right there. I do this on a fairly regular basis. A caveat that I tell people is, if we modify a trust like this, the Internal Revenue Service does not have to accept the modification for purposes of um, 
treating the property as um, as now being all passed to the surviving spouse. They don't have to accept that. So far, I have not had anybody, and I'm not aware of anybody, any of my colleagues, that have had the IRS refuse to accept um, the court order eliminating the bypass trust. Another alternative is uh, once everything goes in the name of the survivor's trust, to just have the survivor completely restate, uh, amend and restate the survivor's trust or create a whole new trust just in the survivor's name and transfer everything into it so that that's the only trust that ever appears at all when the surviving spouse dies. So um, it is something that does have the potential to not work if the IRS decides to challenge it. Um, but if the IRS challenges, they're basically just going to require the family to go back and administer the survivor's estate as if the split had been done when the first spouse dies. So the downside is you have to do what you already had to do. The upside is that if successful, you'll be able to actually uh, have the federal estate tax exclusion apply to all of the surviving spouse's property, and you'll be able to sell those properties or hold on to them with a higher income tax valuation, what they call the cost basis, and that can be of tremendous benefit to the family. So I'm coming up on the end of the third segment of the show today. When we come back for the final segment, I'm going to talk about the other type of trust petition that I do a great number of called the Hegstat petition. And it also deals with trusts, and it deals with trusts where something went wrong. And you'll find out after the break what went wrong and what the solution is. So stay tuned for the final segment of the show today, uh, this pre-recorded show. And uh, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio. And please stay tuned till after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back for the final segment of my show today. It concerns a specific type of petition that I do here in the Bay Area called a Hegstad petition. That's H-E-G-G-S-T-A-D petition. Technically, it's a petition under probate code section 850, and it deals with a trust, uh, which could be while someone's still alive, but usually after someone has died, where it's determined that the person had one or more assets in their name or payable to their estate um, that should have been in the trust but was not put in the trust before the person died. Sometimes that is because there's not enough time between the planning done and the funding or transfer uh, retitling of assets into the trust ownership. Sometimes it's because someone just neglected to do that. Sometimes, and probably very commonly, it's because someone took, for example, their house out of the trust ownership in order to refinance the loan because the lender required them to do that, and they neglected to put the property back into the trust. In any event, what happens is the person dies, the person who takes over as the successor trustee determines 
that there's one or more assets in that person's individual name, and uh, and there's either real estate or there's other assets that collectively are more than $166,250, which is a magic number that determines whether or not you actually have to go to probate and probate somebody's estate. Uh, and because of that, we need to go to court to try to get those assets into the person's trust. Now, probate code section 850 and the court cases that that uh, also support that probate code section pretty much says that you have to have written evidence that the person who created the trust, the trustor, intended that property to be owned by their trust. Written intent in some counties can be sufficiently shown if the person had a special kind of will called a pour over will that explicitly states that their probate assets are to be turned over to the trust that they already had set up. Um, and that is very common, the pour over will. Um, in the, but other counties, such as Santa Clara County, require more than just a pour over will. Clear evidence of intent would be things such as the property is specifically identified in the trust itself, like a section that says, I leave my house on Main Street to my son John, and it's identified by the address. That's pretty clear that they intended it to be part of their trust. Another thing is if there is a, an assignment of property dated and signed that says, I transfer all of my bank accounts, brokerage accounts, uh, life insurance, real estate, uh, jewelry, uh, cars, all this kind of stuff to my trust. That's a general assignment or a general statement of intent. That's going to be considered valid evidence of, that the person intended a specific property uh, to be in the trust if it falls in that category. The third thing is if there is a schedule of assets that explicitly states on it, 123 Main Street, which is the property address, uh, checking account 123456 at Chase Bank, brokerage account 55-ZXY at uh, E-Trade, those kinds of things. And then it becomes very clear what the person intended. It could be a letter that the person wrote that basically identifies those assets and says, I intend them to go to my trust. Anything like that. In some cases, for both types of petitions, they can be done ex parte. Others, they have to be noticed hearings. Uh, I handled both pipes in four Bay Area counties. Like I said before, Alameda, Santa Clara, Contra Costa, and San Mateo. And at any given time, I probably have about six or seven petitions of the different types going. Um, I'm getting ready, actually, to consult on a Hegstat petition later. Um, um, actually, I consulted on the Hegstat petition, if you're listening to this now, uh, a few days ago and uh, likely was hired to go forward with it. And I just want to let all of you know out there that if you're faced with a situation like this, uh, where you have taken over a parent's trust and you find out that they have loose property that's in their name that should have been in the trust, or if you're a surviving spouse 
and you need to have your trust examined to determine whether or not it's an AB or an ABC trust so that you can determine whether or not you want to keep that and actually divide everything up or whether you want to get the family together and talk about going to court to fix that problem. It's what I call a broken trust because what was appropriate maybe 15, 20, 25, or 30 years ago may not be appropriate at all for the family today. Well, I can help. Uh, I have done dozens of these petitions um, here in the Bay Area, and uh, I can certainly help you. I have a very efficient and straightforward process. I charge fixed fees for those petitions, so there's no hidden charges. You know exactly what it's going to cost going in. I can also give you a pretty good idea how much time it's going to take to get that done. And this is especially useful, the HEGSATs, if you have a property you need to sell or if, as often happens, you already are in a sale escrow and you discovered for the first time that the property was not in the parent's trust when the parent died. So we're coming up on the end of the show today. I want to remind you all I have an estate planning workshop coming up on December 4th. 9 till about 10.30. That's a Saturday morning at the Silicon Valley Business Center in San Jose. Go to my website at lawbob.com and look at workshops and seminars if you want to book a reservation. Or go to eventbrite.com and look for Estate Planning Workshop December 4th, where you can also book a reservation. I still have plenty of room, but that may change in the upcoming week. So book now to make sure that you get your spot. It's been great doing this show for you today. I hope you learned some things. And if you need assistance, feel free to contact me. Uh, in the outgo today, you'll hear how you can actually contact my office. So this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Catch you next week. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.